Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Welcome back to another edition of the Brew Crew Review, everybody. This is uh, Vince, and I'm joined on the set today by our co-hosts, Craig and Scott, and a very special guest. Uh, with us tonight is former Milwaukee Brewers pitcher Dave Pember. Dave, how are you tonight? Doing great. How about you guys? We are, are doing outstanding. And uh, for those of you who uh, who do not know, Dave was a 1999 draft pick of the Milwaukee Brewers and made his big league debut and played for the team in 2002. Um, Dave, tell us about your love for and talent uh, in baseball growing up and how you ended up playing college baseball for Western Carolina. Well, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. I was a, a really late bloomer. Uh, my brother was six years older than me and he was six nine I was six you know three or four and I was kind of the runt in the family but you know basketball was my first love and uh God did not give me the ability to run or jump uh but he did give me the ability (laughs) to have a pretty good arm so um you know I I couldn't hit that great in high school and my high school coach was a, a really good coach and he said well all right you just go out there and play catch and we'll see what happens with that so I got to I got to throw the ball a little bit harder, and then I was, you know, pretty accurate. And as a kid, you know, I, I was enamored uh, with the Ryan Express. So I tried sure. to throw the ball as I could and um, oftentimes give up a lot of home runs. So I had to locate and became more of a <laughs> uh, Greg Maddox-type pitcher. In, in no way am I in the same league as him. But um, I tried to, to approach the game more like Maddox. But I just – I grew up as a fan uh, of the game. And, uh, you know, my, uh, my family all from Cincinnati, Ohio. So I grew up, uh, grew up with the, uh, the big red machine and uh, fell in love with the reds in early age. And, um, you know, so, so baseball was kind of always in our family, but, um, didn't really have much success until my senior year of high school. And then I had, uh, it's funny, <clears throat> I got my debut at, at Wrigley Field and I had a, a Cub scout ask me in high school, what do you want to do after high school? And, I didn't really know the question he was asking me, but essentially he was saying, do you want to play professional baseball? But I, I was so naive. I had no idea what he was saying. And so I said, <laughs> well, you know, I just, I'd like to go to college and, um, you know, one day and get a degree and, and have a, a good job is kind of what I told him. But um, <laughs> after that, I, uh, I, I kind of got thrown into the fire. I had uh, three schools that were interested, but Western Carolina University, uh, Coach Rodney Hennon, who's the uh, coach of uh, Georgia Southern now, he uh, made me an offer with uh, Keith LeClaire as the head coach, um, but uh, started out as a freshman and got thrown in the fire, had some success and had some failures too. I once gave up five home runs in an inning uh, in college, and uh, so that, that made me rebound pretty quick and work hard and continue to get better. So, um, And from there, I just you know continued to work hard and got a little bit better. That's great. And, and, I mean, you wouldn't have really wanted to play for the Cubs, though, anyway, would you have, Dave? <laughs> well, you know, the, the, uh, as a kid, you know, growing up in uh, Tennessee, the only teams that were on were <laughs> the Reds, the Braves, and uh, the Cubs and whoever they were playing. But uh, Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, no, um, obviously the, uh, the Cubs are good rivals, but uh, they always uh, put up, uh, a game, a tough game against Milwaukee, but it's nice that, that uh, Milwaukee got the upper hand. So, 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yep. So um, obviously all that success that uh, you were eventually drafted by the Brewers uh, in the eighth round in the 1999 draft. Um, did you know, I guess, that you were going to be drafted, or did you think it was going to be higher or lower than that? If you could just tell us a little bit about your draft day experience. Yeah, so it was a it was an interesting scenario. Um, you know, I after my freshman year of college, I added two to four miles an hour in my fastball. So I don't ever remember in high school throwing over ninety, but in college, I remember hitting ninety, ninety one, ninety two, and then. Um, you know, I think in the wooden bat league in Cape Cod, someone said I got it up to 94. And that's the first time I remembered really any scouts paying me a lot of attention. I got a bunch of phone calls and, and letters sent from probably, you know, 18 to 20 different clubs. Um, Milwaukee was not necessarily on the radar. Um, but, you know, I was a pretty analytical player. Um, every scout that called me, I kind of interviewed them and you know, I would drill them on where they had me slotted and what their thoughts were. And they said, you know, we can't really tell you that. And I said, okay, but if you could, where would you put me? And, and they all kind of had me somewhere in the, the third to the fifth round. But uh, I'm a type 1 diabetic. I was diagnosed when I was 14. And um, I think a lot of them uh, felt like that was potentially an issue. But, you know, Milwaukee um, said it was not an issue. And, um, you know, they wound up drafting me in the eighth round. And, you know, it was just a, it was a huge blessing. Um, you know, at the time, you know, I wanted it to be such an easy decision in college. You know, I made good grades. I, you know, wanted to, uh, I'm kind of an entrepreneur, so I wanted to have my own business one day. And it, I wanted it to be such an easy decision that either the brewers gave me so much money that it was a no-brainer or they offered me so little that it was a no-brainer and I, I was going to go back to school. So originally, it was a small market team, so... Uh, I had in my mind that I was probably just going to go back to college, but um, Milwaukee was a uh, tremendous to me. Um, you know, the scouts that drafted me, Steve Connolly, uh, spent a lot of time trying to convince me that um, Milwaukee was the place where I needed to be and how the fans were. And I think actually they had a couple of guys on the team call me at that time. Um, I think Woodard, maybe Steve Woodard. Sure. Yeah. Right. yeah I, th I think he called me maybe and, um, I think he went straight out of high school. And so, you know, I, I planned to go back to college, um, but then the Milwaukee came back and made me a really nice offer. And um, I just felt like it was the right time and, and it seemed like a no brainer. So uh, moved on and, and I was really fortunate. I was blessed if, um, you know, because Milwaukee brings up a lot of talent and they develop a lot of talent from the minor leagues, which re really makes it great. And I think what, makes the fan base so phenomenal in Milwaukee because it's not like you're you're following these kids because they're traded. I mean, you know, most of the people that are diehard Milwaukee fans, they know everybody in the draft. They know what they're doing in rookie ball, A ball, double A, triple A, and they're looking forward to seeing these guys because it's, you know, kind of a family atmosphere. And that was what made Milwaukee really great. I mean, the fans are tremendous. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that because that's actually the premise of how our show started. It was a couple of years after you went through the system, but back in 2004 is when we first started our show, and it was uh, really focused on, on some of the minor league players and the guys that the Brewers were just drafting in those early years in 04 and 05, and um, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. The guys were able to kind of follow the, the, the progression of these guys through the system. So um, I had a question for you then, Dave, and this is Craig. Um, 
first, I guess, uh, just to follow up on that, uh, how did how did you actually find out that you were drafted? Did the Brewers call you before they actually selected you, or was it after the fact, or was it, you know, how exactly, were, or did they tell you even ahead of time that they were going to select you? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it, it's so amazing how today, I mean, you go online and everything's at your fingertips. You know, back then, you know, I the draft wasn't online, or if it was, I didn't have a computer. I wasn't following on my iPhone or you know, one of two iPhones that I have now. So it's, it's kind of crazy, but it was after the fact they called me and um, I was, I think the earliest pick at that time for Steve Connolly. And uh, so he was, he was very excited about it, but I don't, I don't ever really remember meeting him. Um, but he was at a lot of my college games. And I think he, he saw me pitch in Georgia uh, against the university of Georgia. And that was one of my better games where my slider was working and, um, so he called me um, after the draft and, um, you know, congratulated me and made me the offer. And, you know, the rest is kind of history as far as that goes. Nice. Um, and then um, after you, you, were, you were signed, obviously, and after that you got into the organization. And um, between 2000 and 2002, you spent some time at a couple of affiliates, uh, the Beloit Snappers, of course, in Wisconsin, the High Desert Mavericks in California, and Huntsville Stars in Alabama. Uh, I guess, what can you tell our listeners a little bit about the your experience as you moved up through the affiliates of the Milwaukee Brewers at the time? Well, I tell you, each uh, each environment is very different. Um, you've got uh, the Beloit Snappers, which is uh, is obviously a Midwest town. The uh, the fans, it's typically the same fans you see every night. I, I tell you, you know, growing up watching movies like uh, Major League and Bull Durham, um, I was finally living, you know, Bull Durham. I had a lot of uh, friends and um, you know dads of uh, of my son's teams uh, would ask me you know what is what is minor league baseball like is it anything like Bull Durham I'd say well it's it's precisely like Bull Durham um, <laughs> uh, every every town has uh, kind of a Susan Sarandon every town uh, has a, uh, a place where you go to hang out afterwards um, there's a there's a veteran who uh, is on the team that helps you out and and while he likes helping you, he he's kind of bitter because he's been in the minor leagues for so long. And then you get the hot shot rookie, and I kind of fell in between. But um, you know, it was a really good place to start. There was good talent in the Midwest League. Um, I got to spend many many hours on uh, bus trips through uh, you know cornfields, and they just kept going and going and going. And then, of course, you go out west, and uh, it was I think it was uh, Victorville, California which at the time I never spent any time in California and I didn't realize there were so many different types of people in California, Northern California and Southern California. But the, uh, the high desert Mavericks was really a challenge because it was, um, I believe it was owned by George Brett and his brothers at the time, but um, it was essentially in the desert. They dug a big hole out and they put a baseball field in. So uh, the, the infield was like uh, you get a ground ball, which I was kind of a ground ball, pitcher you get a ground ball it's like hitting it on concrete and you get a uh, a routine fly ball and because it was something down in the desert you get that that breeze that goes along the the desert and it just kind of sucks the ball out so um if you've got a five era in uh in uh, victorville california you're doing a good job but i tell you the interesting thing you know i kind of grew up on on a midwestern diet uh which is you know, a lot of the places I would go, meet and threes, things like that in uh, in uh, below Wisconsin. But you go to California, everything has uh, jalapenos, salsa on it. 
Um, you know, it's the first time I really ever tried sushi. Um, you know, I went home that off season. I asked my parents if there was any place to eat sushi, and they looked at me like, "Who are you now?" <laughs> so it was, uh, it was uh, so it was it was a blast getting to experience all those things, and um, it was really neat when I got to go to uh, to Double A because it was about um, two and a half hours away from Knoxville, Tennessee, where I grew up. So my my brother got to come to a lot of games. My uh, parents and family got to come see me pitch when I was at home. So, um, you know, Huntsville, Alabama is a, a neat city, too, in that, you know, there's a, a big engineering uh, community there, um, a lot yeah. of smart people there. Um, I actually got my first job after baseball there. I met my wife there. Um, so Huntsville's a, Huntsville's a neat place. Um, it's unfortunate that they don't, they don't sub the baseball team there, but um, – the Southern League was really nice. Uh, you, you know, I, I remember actually, I think I pitched in the single A in Beloit, I think in the championship series against Jake Peavy. And then I wound up pitching wow. against him against, I pitched against him, uh, in double A, um, when he was with, gosh, I don't remember who the team was then, but so it was pretty neat to see those guys. And then a couple of years later play against them, uh, in, in other, leagues but uh, yeah Jake Peavy I think I lost the game I believe two to one it was like an hour and 14 minutes it was a just a fast game wow. both of us you know, he was he was much more of a power pitcher than I was he th- he had a lot of strikeouts but also uh ground balls too so you know all three of those places were really really great the fans were great um yeah it's just it was really neat really fun trip at each each stop so did- was a trip so, so did the Brewers have a true uh, Nuke Lelouch type character? Getting back to the Bull Durham reference you made earlier. <laughs> well, um, that's interesting. You know, there were a couple guys that threw really hard that I played with. Um, so J.M. Gold, I played a little bit with him. Played with sure, Nick Newton. Sure. Um, You know, I was. It was so much fun watching um, Nick Newgenbauer throw. Um, and the, you know, it's just is it the hardest thing I ever saw. Um, other than Bobby Jinks, I saw Bobby. I uh, played in the Arizona Fall League in 2003, and uh, Bobby Jinks was pitching there. But I've never seen anybody throw the ball as hard as Nick Nugenbauer and Bobby Jinks at the time. But, um, you know, it, it's really interesting. You've got guys that come out of high school, and they are the best player in their community in their small town. And then you've got guys that pitch in college who have more command of their pitches but also throw hard. And, you know, the, especially the high high school kids, it's pretty interesting because they'll come in and there's, I don't know, there's tons and tons of pitchers and they got to make basically four different clubs, you know, rookie, A ball, double A, well, five clubs, triple A, and then uh, the major league team. So I would have been overwhelmed if I was a high school player coming up thinking I was going to make a team. But there's a lot of kids that, that come up and have a lot of confidence and can throw the ball hard. But um, I had a, a minor league uh coach tell me one time pitching coach tell me that unless you throw the ball 95 plus that's not hard and I could never throw it that hard so I I focused a lot more on on command and uh, being able to throw any pitch any count but um, there were the the occasional guys on each team uh, that were like that um, that had kind of the attitude and I thought they knew everything but you know it was uh it was fun yeah that's that's great too you know you go through this this you know several seasons long uh, trek through the minor leagues, and then finally on, on September 3rd, 2002, you're pitching for the Brewers against the Cubs at Historic Wrigley Field in Chicago, and 
Could you tell us a little bit more about how you received the news and, and yeah. how you got the call to the bigs and who was the first person that you told? What was going through your mind when you took the mound for the first time in Chicago that day? Well, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we were on the road in um, in Birmingham, and uh, I think I just pitched a couple days before. Um, I'd thrown, I don't know, somewhere around 160 innings at the time, and I thought, well, yeah, there's still a shot that I could get called up. There's, you know, about a month left in the season. So, you know, just bear down and keep working hard, et cetera. Header. Well, but, you know, about a, a day after um, we got to uh, Birmingham, uh, and I think we came in pretty late one night. And at the time, that's when Halo came out. I don't know if you remember that game on Xbox. but Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We're actually all in roughly the same age demographic with you, Dave. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> after, the, after the original Nintendo, I kind of gave it up when the Super NES came out because, to me, there were too many buttons. <laughs> I was like, I give up. So I played Halo one time in spring training. I went out and bought a, an Xbox. I bought um, a hub and, you know, four different controllers. And, you know, we had these, you know, capture the flag parties and things like that. So make a long story short, we rolled into Birmingham. We got in late. We played Halo late. I didn't have to pitch the next day, so I wasn't really that worried about it. Um, but, we, you know, we didn't go to bed until, we didn't go to bed till probably, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the morning. And, uh Frank Krimble is probably the best manager I've ever played for. Uh, he called me about 9 o'clock, and he said, you up? I said, yeah, 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 I'm up, Frank. He says, uh, you're not up. Why are you lying to me? I said, what do you want, Frank? He says, um, Dean Taylor wants you to go sit in the airport. I said, Frank, what are you talking about? He says, Dean Taylor, the GM of the Brewers, wants you to go sit in the airport. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, listen, it's, it's the year of the strike. So if the, if the MLB strikes, you're not going up. I said, well, that means if they, if they don't, or if they do strike, I'm not going up. He says, I said, so that means if they don't strike, I'm going up. He said, yeah, congratulations. So that was pretty cool. So I got in the show. Wow. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, so obviously you're pretty excited, but you kind of hold back too. Um, but I, uh, I got in the shower. I was in the middle of my shower, and um, my roommate comes and bangs on the door. His name was Matt Parker. He was involved in, a, I think, a two or three trade um, team trade with Albert Pujols. Uh, Matt Parker was my road roommate for, for the whole season. Great guy. He says, hey, Frank's on the phone. So I get on the phone. He's like, they're not striking. Congratulations. You know, you got to get to the airport. You know, well, they'll have your bags delivered and all that kind of stuff. And so the first person I called was my mother. Um, you know, she's the one, in addition to my dad, who sacrificed a ton so that you know, I could play on some travel teams in, in high school. It's not like it is today where, you know, there's tournament baseball and travel baseball and four or five different teams in every town. So uh, at the time, both of my parents were blue-collar folks. They, uh, my mom worked two jobs. My dad worked a ton of hours a week. So um called my mom first, told her. She kind of started crying on the phone. And then, uh, of course, I called my dad, who uh, he's the one that basically taught me how to, uh, how to throw my curveball and then, He's the one that worked with me in the back of the yard playing catch all those years. You know, it was interesting having my own kids now. I've got four boys. Um, how exciting it, it was at that age to play catch with your dad. And I didn't realize at the time, but he was really pretty smart. He, he was tired when he got home from work. He sold tires his whole life. But when he get home from work, he'd say, all right, I'll catch you. And then I'd throw a bad one. He'd say, okay, well, you throw the next bad one. I'm done. 
and it taught me a lot of control. It taught me a lot of control, but at the same time, it allowed him to go inside and rest. So, I don't know if my dad did the same thing, made me run and go get yeah. the ball every time I threw it over his head, but uh, yeah. only made it through high school myself. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so um, it was the, it was really literally the perfect thing for me. Um, you know, it was a dream come true getting drafted by Milwaukee, but as a kid. You know, the team that you kind of dreamed about playing for is the Cincinnati Reds because that's kind of the only team that existed when I was really little. Um, but, you know, the next best thing from that is getting drafted by Milwaukee. Um, I get called up and I said, where's the team? They sit in Cincinnati. So um, that was really exciting. My parents got to drive up from Knoxville. It was, you know, a five-hour drive. I had, um, I believe my, uh, my grandfather had had a stroke at the time, but he uh, – he was still alive, and I had aunts and uncles who came to the game. Um, so that was just exciting. Um, you know, as a kid, you know, I had family that worked at Montgomery Ribs, and I thought, well, while I, while I was in Cincinnati, I was going to eat at uh, Montgomery Inn and have their ribs. Well, after the game's over, uh, what is what do the Reds serve uh, in the, the guest locker room? Well, Montgomery Inn ribs. So um, it, was, <laughs> wow. it was like the coolest – it was the coolest thing. Um, but I, I got called up, and uh, so it was in it was in Cincinnati, and it was at the end of the season, and I kind of dragged my foot when I pitched, so I had gone through two pair of spikes, and I don't know if it was uh, Jeffrey Hammonds or Jeff Jenkins, but they're both like, look, you know, rookie, you can't uh, you can't go out there in those cleats, and I go, I don't have any other ones, and uh, they they said, well, we'll find you another pair, and nobody on the Brewers at the time had a size 13, so um, a guy that I kind of um, wound up watching as I was growing up in high school and stuff, Jose Rio, uh, Jose, somebody knew Jose Rio and, and he actually gave me a pair of his cleats. So I wore his cleats the rest of the season in uh, 2002. Uh, so that was just, wow. you know, that was really cool. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Yeah. And then. Oh, go ahead. Then, I was just going to say, and then from there we played a couple games in Houston and I was in the bullpen and, um, I guess it was uh, Craig Biggio. Uh, he was playing left field, and, and it was like one of the first time he played out there. And of course, I knew who he was. He didn't know who I was, and he uh, got fooled on a pitch and and um, kind of rolled backwards. And he, there he is looking through the chain link fence to me, and he goes, "Well, I kind of messed that one up." Um, but uh, that was a cool experience <laughs> being in Houston. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't have any suits or anything like that either with me. And uh, Ray King bought me a suit. You know, there's the thing about the veteran players <laughs> take, care of, take care of the rookie players. And so, yeah, Ray King bought me a, you know, a, a nice polo um, suit and a belt and some shoes. And so I didn't look like, you know, a, a, quite the scumbag I, I came rolling in looking like. But, uh we we fun. saw your comments on our uh, our Twitter post. You mentioned that when we put up something for for Ray King's birthday oh, yeah. earlier in January. We saw your Twitter post so that we were definitely going to ask you about that tonight. So I'm glad you brought it up. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really cool. Um, you know, having you know veteran players looking after you. Another you know two other things that come to mind. You know, Jeff Jenkins would always you know make sure that I wasn't doing anything too wrong. There was a uh, there was another time when um, I was pretty tired. I came in the locker room. I was, you know, I pitched, you know, the night before, so there was no chance I was pitching that day. But I kind of stayed up late, and you know, Matt Stairs kind of walked by my locker and didn't really look at me. He just said, "Don't let him, don't let him see you snoozing in your locker, kid." You know, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, 
uh, but yes, yeah, so like I got, I was told that I was going to start at, um, uh, against the Cubs and, um, you know, that was, that was really exciting getting my debut. I think it would have been more fun, obviously doing it in front of the home crowd in Milwaukee. Um, but it was really neat being able to pitch in, in Wrigley Field. And yeah, everybody says if, if someone tells you that they're not nervous, um, the first time they make their debut, um, they're lying. But the truth of the matter is, you know, my father at a very early age taught me about visual imagery and positive thinking. And every time I threw a bullpen before a game, I would pitch against Sammy Sosa as a right-handed batter. And then I would picture myself throwing against uh, Barry Bonds as a left-handed batter. And then, you know, all that kind of came through when um, I was warming up in, in uh, Wrigley Field. And, you know, to me, I'd already been there a few times. So um, I really wasn't that nervous. Um, it was just another game to me, even though it was at a much higher level. Um, I had uh, friends and family drive up from Knoxville, Tennessee uh, to support me. Uh, I think one of my one of my best friends, uh, John Coffin, he had a sign made up that said, uh, everybody sees Pember next. Unfortunately, I only lasted three and two-thirds, so he didn't get to use that one on ESPN. But um, but that was – it was just – it was a fun time. It was a blast. Um, one of the cool things about that game, um, you know, I had I'd gotten to where uh, – I guess the first inning I faced Fred McGriff in there. I think there were a couple guys on, and all I could think about – was when I was in high school and John, who I just mentioned, we were in my my bedroom, we were trading cards, and there was a Ben McDonald card that he had, and he had a, and I had a Fred McGriff uh, rookie card. He says, well, you like this Ben McDonald card? I think I'll, I'll trade you for that guy, Fred McGriff. And, you know, at the time, Ben McDonald was supposed to be this, you know, huge star that was coming up, and I didn't know anything about Fred McGriff, and he traded me for it, and you know, a couple of years later, Fred McGriff obviously, you know, got put on the map pretty big. And uh, I always gave him a hard time saying that he knew that uh, he knew what he was doing. He was taking advantage of me in that trade. So I'm on the mound at Wrigley Field, and I'm, and I'm not even thinking about facing Fred McGriff. I'm thinking about in high school as like a freshman or sophomore, he's, you know, this trade that went down. Uh, next thing you know, I'm 3-0 and on Fred McGriff. I'm like, well, they're calling a fastball down the middle. I guess I better – throw something off the plate because he didn't get paid to take three of fastballs down the middle from some rookie. So um was able to get out of that inning. And then after the game, uh John actually brought the card with him and gave me the Fred McGriff card after the game. It was just a cool deal. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, do you have any other, I guess, just baseball story, majors, minors, whatever it is, like just anything that either is just – really entertaining and humorous or anything you're really proud of or just anything, I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I guess, um, you know, you know, I, I really, my first goal was to get to the major leagues and my second goal uh, was to stay there for a long period of time. You know, I was, I wish, you know, if I realized my career was going to be so short in the, in the big leagues, I probably would have taken it in a little bit more. Um but I, you know, I was so concerned about performing and, and being invited back the following season that, you know, I, I probably didn't enjoy it as much as maybe I could have. But I'm, you know, I'm trying to make the team. And I came in relief against um, the Giants at home. And this is probably the best outing I had. I came in in the sixth or seventh inning. And um, I think I struck out Jeff Kent on a slider. 
and ball's going around the horn, and I hear uh, a helmet getting thrown in the dugout, and then Jeff Kent's kind of hitting the hitting the bat rack with his bat, and I was kind of entertained by that, and I'm kind of smiling on the inside, and then they say, well, now batting Barry Bond. And I thought, <laughs> you know, Oops. Yeah, I said, okay, well, maybe I ought to refocus here. And uh, so, you know, I said earlier on the call that I'm, I'm pretty analytical, so I went back to the boardroom where we're sitting and talking about um, different pitches that we're going to throw different uh, players and um, – the uh, the scouting report on uh, Bonds came up, and Ben Sheets goes, well, I got to throw him a fastball inside. And then uh, his nickname was Sarge. I'm probably going to get his name wrong, but I think maybe it was Gary Matthews, but he was the first base coach at the time. But he, he yep. comes, comes in and says, Ben, you cannot throw the man a fastball inside. Unless you hit him, he's going to hit the ball 800 feet down the right field line. So the scouting report was we're going to throw him everything away. So I was like, okay, um, you know, whatever we throw, we're going to throw him away. So um, I come set on the mound. Um, Jorge uh, Fabregas, I think, was catching at the time. He uh, he called an OO changeup. I said, okay, so I got to throw this guy a changeup away. And it's the first pitch. Guy hits, you know, hits a ton. Um, but he's human, just like anybody else, right? We can get him out. And then um, I, I looked behind me in the outfield, and I, I had a coach one time tell me, always make sure that your your player's in the right position. You never know what's going on. Maybe one of them's tying their shoes and not looking. So I come set, and I look behind me. There's not a soul on the field from second base over, including the outfield. I was like, i got to throw this guy away, and there's not a single person that's at second base, third base, or left field, or even left center. They're all basically uh, with the shift. And I said, okay, we're just going to trust it. You know, that's the scouting report. So I throw Bonds uh, an OO changeup. He, he is just the hair out in front. He hits the ground ball to first. And, uh, you know, I never ran so fast at first in my life. Uh, Richie Sexton threw me the ball. I catch it, step on first. And I come in, and um, I was pretty excited about it. And then Matt Stairs kind of, you know, hits me on the – on the back and says, Barry Bonds who? Um, so that, that made me feel like I was part of the team. Um, made, me, made me feel That's like awesome. I was really part of the brew crew. And, uh, you know, fortunately, um, you know, I didn't have to face Bonds again that game. So I can say that I got him that game. But um, I got to pitch against some of the greatest players in the game, and that, is, that was really fun. And, you know, Sammy Sosa, you know, Bonds, Scott Rowland, um, you know, Jeff Ken. I got to I got to face some some pretty good guys. Only a couple times, but you know, I had I had some some people who followed me along the way from from middle school to high school to college to professionally, and they asked me if I was worth it. And I said, you know, every stinking you know sprint that I ran, every sit up I did, every home run I gave up to learn from, it was uh, it was all worth it to get there and spend time in Milwaukee. Awesome. All right, and then, uh, Dave, uh, kind of one last question, I, I guess. Uh, obviously, at some point um, after the 2002 season, um, you, your career kind of succumbed to injury. I don't know if you want to shed more light on the, on that and, uh, you know, when when you decided to hang it up and basically, you know, what, uh, what you've been doing since that time. Sure. So, um, at the end of 2002, I got invited to go to the uh, Arizona Fall League. 
and uh, my arm was pretty tired at that time. It didn't necessarily hurt, but um, I wasn't pitching real good. I was trying to throw the ball, you know, as hard like, as I as I used to, and the ball wasn't really coming out of my hand. And um, I'd given up, I don't know, I think four runs my first time out, five runs my next time out. My ERA was somewhere in the nines or tens, but you know, I wasn't someone who made a ton of excuses. So I at least wanted to have a good inning before I told him, hey, there's something wrong with my arm. Uh, but ultimately, when I did that, um, I rehabbed all winter, came back. Um, it felt okay in spring training, but the ball still wasn't coming out of my hand. Um, I felt like legitimately I had a shot of being maybe the fifth guy in the rotation that year. Um, I still would have a lot of work to do to get there, but never made it out of spring training. I did more rehab. I finally got an MRI. They had a uh, showed a labrum tear. I had my first surgery, and then about four months after that, I had a follow-up surgery. That one was pretty good, and I was probably, you know, 90%, 95% off the mound, and um, something came right back. It didn't feel real good, and um, I guess they had, uh, they called it constant impingement. So, make a long story short, I had inflammation in my shoulder. It really wouldn't go away, and um, I actually talked to, um, I'm going to, his name's, uh, R.A. Dickey. I called R.A. Dickey and talked to him because I had a knuckleball in high school and I was contemplating coming back, trying to, to bring my knuckleball back, but it, it, uh, it still hurts to even throw that. So, um, I had different conversations with different coaches in Milwaukee system. Some said I should coach, some said I should just go use my degree and, uh, so ultimately, I decided to um, use my degree. I got a, a job in sales with a pharmaceutical company. Um, did pretty good there for a couple years. Um, had that entrepreneurial spirit. Wanted to open my own business. So I opened a, an insurance agency in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And then um, really missed the medical field. So I had an opportunity. Uh, it's interesting, uh, a buddy of mine who had a, a sales organization in the medical field selling laboratory testing. So testing that's uh, better than your storm, uh, your standard lipid panel for heart attack and stroke. Um, I said, what, what, I said, Brad, what territories do you have left? He said, um, Arkansas, Iowa, and Wisconsin. So immediately I thought, well, I want, I want to go back to Wisconsin. I mean, surely you know, there's some physician somewhere who will let me talk to them just because I played for Milwaukee, right? Um, but uh, but at the time, uh, I was newly married. Uh, my wife and I had our first son and uh, wound up moving to Little Rock, planned to be there for two years and then moved back to Alabama. But we really fell in love with Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, you know, great school where our kids go, uh, Little Rock Christian Academy. Um, some really tremendously close families here. Um, I've been able to, to help coach my, my son's basketball team and now coaching baseball team. Uh, we've been here for about six or seven years. And, uh, you know, getting back to that entrepreneurial spirit, we opened our own laboratory in, um, let's see, March of 2014, um, testing for drugs of abuse. So you guys are probably aware, but, you know, the, a huge epidemic in our country is uh, opioid death, heroin death. Um, we we test uh, patients' urine to make sure that they are taking the prescribed medicines they're supposed to and not taking uh, medicines that they shouldn't be. Uh, that kind of evolved into opening uh, an opiate addiction treatment center uh, that we have here in Texarkana. Um, you know, John Coffin, my 
childhood friend. He and I are business partners in that, along with another guy, Darren Thomas, in Indianapolis. And um, we had another best friend, Mick Deerstone, who died uh, from an opiate uh, overdose in 2010. Uh, so that's been kind of our uh, our main drive for the last few years is trying to put a dent in this uh, opiate uh, epidemic and helping people that are addicted, uh, making them understand that they can get over this and, and go on from there. But it's just, you know, um, I like to think of myself as everybody else. I'm a huge baseball fan. Um, I try to coach my kids and be the best dad I can and often fail at a lot of stuff. But uh, baseball is, is obviously in my blood, and it was a, a great opportunity to have Milwaukee. They were a ton of fun to watch this uh, this last year. So, um, so, so Dave, that, that brings us to our, our last question here. That's a great transition and, and, and really glad to hear about other, the great work it sounds like that you're doing now in your, your post-playing career. But so you do still follow the Brewers. We noticed, you know, on Twitter that you were uh, definitely rooting for them in the playoffs and, and, uh, and just judging from some of the other stuff that we saw on social media. So you still follow the Brewers and you're still a fan? I, I'm absolutely a huge fan. You know, I, uh, I typically – don't have the time to watch a lot of baseball during the season, but when it comes to the postseason, um, I'm usually catching up. And man, I tell you, it was so much fun to watch the bullpen um, and what they did down the stretch. Those guys, those guys are really incredible. I mean, I don't think there's you know one guy that threw like below 95. I mean, uh, Knable, right. Woodman, yeah. Burns. I mean, those guys are just. I'm like, they're just. I mean, they're just lights out. They were fun to watch. Right. And uh, do you have any uh, do you have any predictions that we can air going into the 2019 season as, as <laughs> fans are starting to look forward to spring training here in the next week, week and a half? Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting. I think I think for the most part, the Brewers um, typically have started out um, fairly, you know, middle of the pack. And then uh, the last couple of years uh, down the stretch, they've they've made it to where. Um, they've gotten really close at winning the, uh, the division series and then, you know, the potential to go to the World Series. But I think um, if they have a bullpen like they did last year um, and they can add a couple of offensive juggernaut, uh, juggernauts, they're going to they're gonna be right in the thick of things in the stretch. So um, I'm going to be right there rooting them on and watching them uh, this year too, hopefully. I, I did have one question really I wanted great. to ask that's um... – uh, I, obviously, with all the success that the Brewers had last year, they were they were able to do it without basically their ace and Jimmy Nelson, who uh, also went you know obviously had the the torn labrum issue that uh, is very similar to what you had gone through. Um, I guess going into this year, um, what do you think is going to be the hardest thing for for Jimmy to get on track and to be able to uh, to be able to overcome it? Hopefully. Um, well, I, I would say that um, if I was in the scenario he's in, I would say just trusting that he's healed and and really trusting his instincts again. Um, that's the biggest thing is when you throw, um, if you're injured, you kind of protect it and you're not full go. So um, I ha- I'm not up to date on where he is in the process, but if he has completely healed, I would just say uh, I would encourage him just to trust that he's healed and and you know, go at it 100 percent, like like he never had the in, the uh, injury. So um, that would be my encouragement for him. Awesome, that's perfect. Outstanding. Well, well hey, this has been real, you, let real, me ask you guys 
something oh, sure. real quick. Uh, this is something that's been interesting and kind of bugged me for several years, but I think the same thing happened to David Justice. Um, you guys know him by Dave Justice. And somewhere along the line, it was either a Tops or a FLIR uh, company that <laughs> changed my name. They changed my name from David to Dave. And it's so funny. I went on the Wikipedia to try to change it to David. And they wouldn't let me change it. I'm like, but I'm the guy. Let me, <laughs> <laughs> let me change the name, today, please. But no, I, I, it's so funny because um, I think I think the same thing happened to to David Justice. I believe he was David Justice, and then somewhere along the 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 line, someone just said, "Ah, we're just going to shorten it. We're going to call him Dave Justice." So. Um, but that was always something that was funny to me is that um, they always kind of had my name wrong, which it's it's pretty funny uh, now. People said, "Would well, you prefer Dave or David?" I said, "Well, my parents named me David, but you know it's fine either way." But that was just another funny thing that I thought of. So now we should know when we when we put this interview out, we should call you David. Is that uh, is that correct? Oh, that'd be great. Sure yeah, people. Right. Well. And then people were like, well, who's David? It comes up as Dave. You guys got it wrong. That's probably what <laughs> Well, this is good. We can we can break the news on Twitter to uh, to at least our followers, if nothing else. <laughs> That'll be good. That'll be good. <laughs> That's great. We are here with our special guest, former Milwaukee Brewers pitcher, David Pember. Uh, David, we are going to play some rapid nine, and uh, so we'll go around the horn here uh, for nine innings with you on a couple baseball-related questions. And uh, first inning, uh, you mentioned Nolan Ryan. Who, who besides Nolan would have been your favorite baseball player growing up? Charlie Hustle, number 14, Pete Rose. Very nice. good. All right. Um Okay, what was your uh, favorite baseball memory growing up or time that you knew you were a baseball fan? Uh, probably in high school when I got my big opportunity to pitch on the varsity team, and I cut off the uh, what would have been the final out. Uh, I dove for the ball and cut it off when everybody knows the pitcher should be backing up third in that scenario. Uh, I dove and cut the ball off and went into extra innings, but obviously I never made that same mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Third inning. Uh, who's your all-time favorite Milwaukee Brewer? Gosh, my all-time favorite Milwaukee Brewer is probably JJ Hardy. Awesome. JJ and That's I, great. JJ and, I played, JJ and I played together. And, I, and he's probably the guy that I followed uh, his career um, through retirement and who I still have some contact with today. He's a tremendous guy. When I coached my uh, my oldest son's first team, it was the Brewers in Little Rock. Uh, J.J. Uh, basically recorded a, a little greeting and told them congratulations on being drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers. So, that you know, J.J. is just a great guy. That's that's awesome. And as a quick aside to that, you know, JJ played. I think his last year in the big leagues was 2017 with Baltimore. Do you know if he's trying to get back in the game or where JJ is at these days? JJ um, is retired, as far as I know, in uh, Arizona. He just had his second child, and, and he's a great dad. That's great. Craig, speaking of uh, JJ and having a child, do you have anything you want to add about JJ? <laughs> yeah, my, my only son. Uh, I, my only son I named J.J. It wasn't necessarily after J.J. Hardy, but I'm sure he influenced <laughs> him in some way. That is cool. No, my, uh, when we went to get a uh, 
a baseball glove for my son uh, the first time that he got to pick his own out. I said, hey, look at this one. He says, that's JJ. You know him? I said, yeah, I know him. He goes, all right, we'll get that glove. So that was pretty cool. That's great. <laughs> that's great. Great defender at shortstop. All right. Yes. Uh, hey, one, one last thing about JJ. Oh, sure. The thing yeah, that made course. him so great. The thing that made him so great is it didn't matter what kind of game he had offensively. Um, he really, really cared about his defense. There's some guys that I played with that, you know, they could boot the ball three times, but if they had two doubles, a single, and a home run, they didn't care what they did on defense. But JJ was actually he came up and played third base. I think his first game for us. Uh, Bill Hall was at shortstop. Um, JJ got a ball right in the palm at third base, and it popped out. It was the only error he had the game. But he, I think he had like two doubles, a home run, and a single. And, you know, on the game, the days that I pitched, I was typically the last one to leave the park because of, you know, icing my shoulder down and exercise and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But J.J. was the last guy in his locker that day, and he was sitting in his locker dwelling on that one plan. I told him, I said, J.J., he said, that's probably never going to happen again. Um, and at that at that point, I knew what kind of a person he was and what kind of a player he was because he was sitting there thinking about how he could have been better that game, and it was all about what he did defensively. So just, I mean, just a tremendous player that, you know, uh, just a, gosh, I mean, every time the ball was hit in his direction, you know, from that point forward, I knew it was probably going to be out. So just a tremendous guy. That's a, that's a great anecdote. And, you know, uh, not to get too off track here, but, you know, JJ was a guy who, from a fan's perspective, he always was a, was a brilliant defensive shortstop, but he really turned into a great offensive shortstop too. I yes. mean, he really put it together and, had some outstanding seasons, both for the Brewers and a season for the Twins, and, and throughout his career in Baltimore, it, it, yeah. it seemed like he really became a complete player uh, throughout his major league. So from a fan's perspective, yeah. he was one of my favorites to watch as well. Yeah, really talented guy. Don't ever play him in table tennis, so he'll kill you. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great <laughs> picture, actually, of, of him playing table tennis with Bob Euchre in spring training, I think. I see that picture around. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> All right, David, the fourth inning here. What is your favorite memory as a Milwaukee Brewer? Favorite memory as a Milwaukee Brewer um, is probably being able to see my family, my parents, uh, after my debut uh, against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. It was was really um, kind of a dream come true for me to have that opportunity and to see all the people that supported me. Um, especially my parents and my brother and my family uh, and, you know, my best friends uh, being there on that day. That was probably the greatest memory, getting getting able to share that with them. And you got your Fred McGriff rookie card back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Although I will say Ben McDonald was a brewer for a couple of seasons, just, just for the record. <laughs> so, so. I, think it was the, I think when I got his uh, – when uh, – I traded for that card, which I still have. It's somewhere in my parents' uh, house, although they've asked me to get rid of all that stuff for years. Um, it's, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he was coming up with the Orioles at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he came up with them. And he, he was the Brewers' big uh, offseason signee and uh, free agent acquisition in, I think, the 95 offseason, somewhere somewhere around there. So I, I know he spent two seasons in Milwaukee. All There's right. a lot of good people to guess in Milwaukee. That's right. <laughs> uh, inning number five here. Um, let's see. Uh, who is your favorite minor league teammate? Favorite minor league teammate? I've got a couple of them, um, but probably um, my roommate, uh, 
pretty much on every room, uh, uh, pretty much on every away game. Uh, Matt Parker and uh, Ryan Miller; those are two guys that I stay in uh, in pretty regular contact with. And of the um, of the three of you, who is the best Halo player? Oh, me by far. There's no, there's no <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right, sixth inning. What uh, what was your favorite minor league park? My favorite minor league park. Um, it was probably. Um, I would say one of them was. Well, it's, it'd probably be a tie between uh, Dayton, uh, where I remember facing Adam Dunn. That was probably the biggest park that I've been in at the time. And I had some success against Adam Dunn uh, that series. Uh, he absolutely figured his swing out since then. Um, but that day, I, I had the advantage. I think he was 0 for 2, 0 for 3 maybe. Um, but I remember having some success against him there. And that was just a really, really neat park um, in Dayton. Um, and then I would probably say um, Jackson, Tennessee, um, that there's a lot of cool memories there. I, I remember getting some pretty good hits there. Um, for some reason, I hit really good against the Cubs in double-A. And uh, Jackson, Tennessee was a place that my family could get to. And it's also a place where um, still to this day, um, another close friend of mine, Paul Stewart, um, who spent uh, a bunch of years with the, the Brewers, um, we were in the outfield for Fourth of July. And we were just kind of laying down in center field watching the fireworks until they actually came and landed on us. Um, but that was pretty cool memories. And I think, I think he actually – it was either – I don't remember who it was, myself or him. You know, time obviously makes things a little bit fuzzy. But uh, I think our hair actually got burned a little bit. It was pretty entertaining. But that was a really neat bar, ballpark. And it's, and it's one that I routinely drive past uh, now. So those, that's probably the freshest in my mind. Nice. That's great. And, and, and for the record, uh, those of us here who are hosting the Brook Review got the opportunity one time to run as the uh, racing sausages at, at Miller Park. And it happened to be a, a game where the Brewers were playing the Reds, and Adam Dunn was uh, in the on-deck circle between innings, and we almost ran into him. So I can tell you how intimidating he is just from the, uh, the hot dog's perspective, but uh, I can't imagine pitching against him. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, um, do you guys remember uh, Eliezer Alfonso made it up with uh, San Francisco? Yeah, yep. So talk about it. So Eliezer um, was probably the guy who worked the absolute hardest for me from a catcher perspective in the minor leagues. Um, but uh, but when we get done here, you can Google uh, Adam Dunn versus Eliezer Alfonso. That's kind of entertaining. There was a collision at the plate and just basically bowled right over Alfonso, but he kept on he kept a hold of the baseball. It was a pretty interesting thing. Oh, so wow. We'll have to we, maybe we could put that on our Twitter as well. That'd be great. There so, you go. That'd be good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, David. Inning number seven. You mentioned the bullpen before, but which current Brewer uh, is your favorite to root for today? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, it, it's hard uh, not to get excited every time Braun comes up um, because, you know, he's uh, essentially going to put it on the launching pad. So um, I like him, uh, you know, but I also like any of the any of the new kids that are coming up that um, are trying to make a name for themselves because I remember what it was like to be there. And I remember the excitement about, you know, when the, 
when the phone would ring in the bullpen and your adrenaline shoots through the roof thinking it's you and they're like, no, it's the other guy. So then you get really tired and then the, the, the phone rings again and your adrenaline shoots the roof because you think they're going to say, Pember, get in there. And it's not you. It's somebody else. But I, I you know, <laughs> any of the guys in the bullpen that have not been there a long time, it's really fun to watch them. And also, I'll tell you, the guy who I probably enjoy watching the most, though, is Eddie Cedar um, at third base. <laughs> so he was our, he was our uh, minor league farm director uh, when I was coming through the system. Great guy, hard worker. Um, yeah. I'm a tremendous fan of his. Um so, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I remember, uh, gosh, who was it? Um, oh, I don't remember who was the home run and Cedar's giving him the high five coming around. Anyway, yeah, I, you know, he's just one of those guys that I'm I'm really excited to see the career that he's had and, and the success he's had. Great guy. You're you're absolutely right. I had a chance to, to talk with him when the Brewers uh, came out to play. I live in Washington, D.C., but – when the Brewers were out here playing the Nationals last August, I had a chance to catch up with him and just real down to earth guy and love to talk yes. baseball. Just, just a, a pleasure to have him in the organization. Dude. Yeah, very really good dude. All right, David, I'm gonna uh, make inning number eight here a two parter, um, just because uh, uh, I wanted to know what your favorite ballpark food is. And so, like, I guess I was kind of wondering, like, first off, when you go to a game, what do you got? What's your favorite food at the ballpark? And then you're Part two is kind of when you were out, like, in all of your travels um, as a player, what, what your favorite food was, and that could be anywhere. It's a good question. Um, <laughs> I got in trouble often um, when I would be in the stands <laughs> doing either the radar gun or the pitching chart um, because although I'm a type 1 diabetic, I am, you know, my favorite pastime other than baseball is food. So, uh, probably a, a, anything that's unique. Um, a lot of places we went to, uh, they had different foods, but I don't remember where it was, but somewhere along the, the way I had uh, one of the best Philly cheesesteaks I'd ever had um, at, you know, at some town, either in double A or, or single A that, gosh, to this day, I wish I could still get. But, I mean, you can't really beat a hot dog um, as, a, uh, as a good starter and then polishing it off with some popcorn. There you right. go. So I gotta ask, with cheesesteak, do you just are you cheese whiz, provolone, or what do we got going on there? Oh man, that's really great. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> the ones, that, I mean, the the authentic ones, I guess, are pretty good with the provolone. But I, I tell you, you can't beat some good fake cheese. <laughs> so yeah, I love some, love some cheese whiz. Scott here is our ballpark uh, food connoisseur, so he has to ask that uh, that that question. That's a good question, man. <laughs> that is a good question. All right, um, I'm gonna wrap it up here with the ninth inning. And uh, as you know, our show uh, review is focused on the Milwaukee Brewers, but also kind of specifically about the Meyer Leagues throughout the years. And uh, since you spent a few years in the Meyer League, um, tell our listeners one thing about the minor leagues uh, or about my, minor league baseball life that would be surprising to listeners that they're just not aware of? Surprising. Um, I think I think the majority of the players that come through the minor leagues, you know, I was very fortunate that I was a top 10 draft pick. Um, you know, I had a little bit of money to live off of, but um, the thing that I think most people don't realize is that these are young kids that have left home or at least from – 
an area that they would call home for the majority of their lives. They going to parts of the country that they've never been to before, chasing a dream that they're not getting paid for uh, in the minor leagues, but they're out there working hard because they love the game and hopes of one day uh, being on the big stage. But, um, you know, I've, I've eaten a lot of peanut butter and jelly uh, in the minor leagues, um, you know, eat, eaten a lot of meals that um, you wouldn't want to have um, reruns on, and I've eaten several days in a row. Um, different different things that you put into uh, a tuna sandwich just to make it different, you know, mustard, relish, a lot of different things just mm-hmm. so that you've got a different meal every day. But um, I think a lot of people would be surprised at um, what people will sacrifice to chase their dreams of getting the major leagues. And that's just part of it. And I think most of the minor leaguers are happy to do it in, in the hopes of, you know, being able to spend time, you know, one inning, one out, um, one year uh, with a big league club, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, and you were and you were one of the fortunate ones, David. I mean, you made you made not only your big league debut, but you pitched in a few games. And I, I, I guess you answered the question already. I was going to ask, but it, it, was it all worth it at the end of the day? Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. I would I would do it all again. Every every home run that I that I gave up to get back out and compete again and learn from every. Um, you know, O2 slider or fastball that I hung to learn from every time that, uh, you know, I got chewed out by a coach that I learned from, you know, baseball is a game of mistakes, home run or, uh, uh, hall of famers get themselves out seven out of 10 times and baseball is a game of failure. And, um, you know, it was, I was very blessed and very fortunate to have enough failures that I learned and, uh, was able to go up. Uh, the ladder to to reach Milwaukee, and it'll be a a great memory forever. Well, this is this has been a really great interview, and David, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to to come on here and and talk some baseball with us on a <laughs> random Sunday night in February. It's, it's great to talk some baseball <laughs> well, here in the winter. It's been really great. Thanks for your patience. I know we've been trying to get together for a while, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, following your podcast more regularly now. So I feel like uh, I know you guys really well, and one day if I get up to Milwaukee or in DC, we'll have to get together and have some uh, some cheesesteaks or some uh, some uh, hot dogs. <laughs> that, that sounds great. Or uh, if we're on the road in Little Rock sometime, we'll have to give you a call. We'd love to love to get Absolutely. together. Absolutely. If you guys well, ever need a place to stay, uh, holler at me. It sounds great. Well, thanks again, David. And, and once again, this has been David Pember, uh, former Milwaukee Brewers pitcher, joining us here tonight on the Brew Crew Review. Uh, don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at Brew Crew Review One. Uh, we'll get to your questions on our next podcast, so feel free to send those in to Brew Crew Review Podcasts with an S uh, at gmail.com. Yeah, and follow David, too. Yeah, thanks, that's, guys. That's right. Uh, David, do you want to share your uh, Twitter screen name if you want to try to get any followers? Sure, it's, uh, it's at David Pember. Um, don't be confused. It's not Dave Pember. Uh, it's at David <laughs> But um, – yeah, so, um, yeah, Twitter is, is extremely lively these days with all of the uh, political atmosphere, and obviously there's a lot of sports atmosphere to follow, too, but uh, would love to uh, reach out to some folks that um, got to yell at me in any of the ballparks that I played at in their town. That's right. Baseball <laughs> and politics are, are, are two great national pastimes. That's right. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I, I, I became interested in politics after I got my first injury and they had the hanging chad in Florida. 
That's right. Well, we'll share some political stories on a different podcast sometime. That sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for having a great time, dude, uh, on this Sunday night. And uh, I guess thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. Um, and go Brewers and stay classy with Captain. All right, guys. Go Brewers. Thanks again. Go Brewers. See you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.